Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Yo! Welcome to the House of L podcast. I'm Lawrence Holmes. Thank you so much for hanging out here with me. We'll have a discussion about what happens next with House of L now that bear season is at a conclusion. But the conclusion of the bear season is the topic of today's podcast. We're not going to talk about the game. No one cares. No one cares about that game. As soon as they told you that Justin Fields wasn't playing in that game, we all did the same thing. You know what it was? It was a collective sigh of relief. Like, whoo, I guess that means that we've all got Sunday off and we can watch Red Zone if we want. Well, obviously I don't. And here's hoping that you watch the football after show where it was really good to be back if you were Wondering about my feelings about returning to the football after show. You should listen to last week's post-game show where I talked about it. I'm very happy that I was able to end the season talking about the Bears and being back with my guys and being back on that show. It means quite a bit to me. So getting a chance to go back there to end the season, to, to be able to finish the season after Cap started it, it's cool. And we'll see what happens. Like, no promises have been made. Um, I have no expectations other than to be at least alerted to what's going on. So hopefully they will offer me the opportunity to come back and do it. I know that I would love to do it. But, hey, man, I if it's not in the cards, it's not in the cards. Here's what I wanted to talk about. I want to talk about what this season has been on multiple fronts. There's a lot to discuss. Let's save the Justin Fields stuff for a little further in the episode as I walk around my office and step on all sorts of things. Perhaps that means you should sit down. Um, There's still a lot that needs to be learned about who's in charge of the Bears. I'll start with the coach because I think that it's easier to make some determinations of what we saw about Matt Eberflus than it is about Ryan Poles, although I do have some observations about Poles that we will get to. I like Eberflus. I don't know. I still don't know inside of games whether or not 
he's going to make the right calls to win. There were some moments where you're going, why did you do that? Like, that wasn't logical, even in a season where you're not necessarily trying to go out there and win. Coaches, they're, so to, to break down the job, the general manager has to look beyond what's happening on the field. They have to, in most cases, put a winning field, winning product on the field each week, but also be looking at the future. The head coach's job is to win that week, put together a game plan, and win that week. So let's talk about some of the good. The good is that it looks like, to me, Matt Eberflus has put together a staff of people that are competent. That's as far as I'm willing to go. With Lugetsi, I think there's probably a reason, some reasons to think more highly, and it's the production part. And I know what you're saying, Lawrence. Like, this offense didn't produce. But they did do something that's pretty remarkable. If you look at the way the game started, for the Bears and just started looking at scripts of Luke Getze's offense. The scripts, the first 15 plays, they were effective on most of them throughout the season. Like if you're looking at opening drives, like stuff like that, they were able to figure some things out and score some points. That's significant to me. The other part is playing to your skills. And that's where I think I, I have a, a big old thumbs up mark for Matt Eberflus and, and Getze. And it, I will say that part of it is clouded by the fact that their predecessors were not able to understand this concept, okay? So it might be me grading these guys on a curve because they weren't stupid. Okay, like I, I readily admit that that might be what's happening here. I'm giving them credit for not being dumb. And we saw Matt Nagy lean into, I'm going to do things the way that I see them in my brain. It doesn't matter how many times I'm seeing evidence that what I'm trying to do is not going to work. Doesn't matter. All that matters is the way that it looks on the dry erase board. And we've got to try to live up to that perfection. To Getty and Eberflus's credit, they did not do that. Now, I have my thoughts. Like, And Dan and I like, kind of worked through this as a show. Like, We cobbled out some time where you know, we didn't really have a set topic or guess, but we wanted to talk about the Bears and and Justin Fields and what winning looks like and all this stuff. And I I came to the conclusion, and who knows if I'm right, but my conclusion was, had they won the Washington game? Or I guess it led to uh, a, a question that needed to be answered, a theory that needed to be tested. Had the Bears won the game against Washington, Darnell Mooney makes that catch in the end zone. Remember how awful that Thursday night game was? If he comes down with that ball and the Bears are able to win the game, and at the time, like you, could, they were like 500-ish, 
do they make the necessary changes that allowed us to see how special that Justin Fields was? The answer to that question is I don't know. My hope is that eventually, even with some of that success, they would have seen the trappings of the lack of talent on this team, and they would have gone out to try and fix it. That, to me, deserves a lot of credit. Matt Eberflus, at that point, inside of the season, saying, look, man, this is not going to work. This road that we are on is simply not going to work. So let's talk with the quarterback, and let's figure out, what do you need? I think that it's, there's a, a humanity and a humility to Eberflus's coaching that I like and I respond to. I want to be very clear about that. I, I feel like I'm seeing a guy who, yeah, has got kind of the hard edge, coachy McCoachman type thing, but I also think that he allows for himself to be a human being, and he also allows for being wrong. He doesn't, this isn't coach as God. This is coach as coach. Like, I've had a lot of experiences, and I'm probably right, but let me take a look and see if I'm actually right in what it is that I'm doing. That humility allowed him to go to, to fields and say, hey, young man, this is not working. What are we not giving you? What do you need for us to be successful? And then they worked. That's the, like, to me, that's the way that it's supposed to be. It, it's supposed to be coaches talking to players and making them better. You know, I coach, I can play inside this structure, but I just need A, B, C, and D. Or I really like this. Could we do more of this and see if we can grow off of it? So I give Matt Eberflus a lot of credit. I know that when you're talking about a coach that, has this type of losing streak, um, you, you can't, it, it's hard to offer their resume up as proof that they know what they're doing. It's similar to the conversation that we have to have about Justin Fields where there's a lot of stuff in the, the peripherals that doesn't look right. And so if you are in a position where you're excited about his future, there are those that wonder, well, why are you excited about it? But I'll get to that in a minute. Let me talk about Ryan Poles. I am, uh, if, if I'm at one end of the spectrum with my belief that Matt Eberflus knows what he's doing and I'm looking forward to seeing more of it, I am not as far down the spectrum when it comes to Ryan Poles. I have a lot of questions about his methods. I am concerned that he is someone who who is dogmatic and believes in doing things his way and that his way is the only way. Now, look, 
I know that he's taken some consensus from around the sports world, and I do like that, that he's talked with the people in Chicago, the people who run teams in Chicago to, to find out more because th- this is his first time a- in this role. I do like that. But I, I don't like some of the things that I've heard about how things have been run from the moment that he walked in the door. Now let's talk about the acquisitions that have taken place. We know what this season was. I'm not going to sit here and try to act like this season wasn't about bottoming out to build it back up. We've all seen it before in different sports. It looks so ugly in football because of how quickly things can change and turn around for a team. And we saw the physical toll of that on Justin Fields as well. The offensive line was trash. The defensive line was maybe worse. Most of that is not Poles' fault. Okay? Some of it is. This is supposed to be a year where you're taking flyers, you're on guys, you're trying to find $20 bills. I don't think they had a ton of luck finding $20 bills. I know that they signed Equinemia St. Brown for essentially what is a minimums deal for next year. I I think that EQ is a, a wonderful blocker, and if he is on this team next year as this team's fifth wide receiver, so be it. I'm fine with that. The Larry Joby stuff. I I didn't like that there wasn't a circle back to Ogunjobi. Like the way that kind of the Mets are circling back to Carlos Correa. And while he didn't have a great season in Pittsburgh, he had a solid one. He had a solid season. And then there's the business of the trades that went down. Robert Quinwin, obviously, that's an older guy who had one year left on his deal, you're making that trade 10 times out of 10. The Roquan Smith one, I know that people dismissed it out of hand with, well, he's not, who needs an expensive on-the-ball linebacker, Lawrence? That's ridiculous. A playoff team does. He made his first Pro Bowl this year. I thought that some of the ways that Roquan Smith was attacked by people who cover the Bears and people who were fans of the Bears was unfair. I think that people easily dismiss the evidence of him being a really good football player. Like, people just threw that away. It was The, the argument went something like this. I know Roquan Smith is a really good player, maybe even Pro Bowl level, but he's not what the Bears need right now. That, to me, is a dumb argument. They need all the good football players that they can find. And if you're telling me that they found out in the six weeks or whatever Roquan Smith was a Bear, or eight weeks, that he couldn't play weak side linebacker in this defense, I'm going to tell you that that's bullshit. And it's bullshit because... You could have vintage Lance Briggs in that spot 
And if there isn't a three technique out there, if there isn't a pass rush of any kind, he's not going to look like himself. Now, Roquan is probably a better fit inside, and he's probably better off in Baltimore system. But when I look at the Bears roster, what Poles did there was create at least one position that he of need that he didn't have to worry about. And you need good players. You have a dearth of good players, and Ryan Poles decided he didn't need a, a good player for whatever reason. That's why I go back to what I was saying at the beginning, that I'm not sure that I completely trust that he is able to divorce some of his emotions from decisions that are made. I, I think that there is a kiss-the-ring element to Ryan Poles and that because I think part of the reason that Roquan Smith was traded is because of hurt feelings and not strictly football. So I've got some questions there. You look at the, the, the other acquisitions that were made. The Chase Claypool being the highest profile because of what you ended up trading for him. You, you end up trading a number two pick, which is essentially going to be a number three because the uh, number one because the Dolphins don't have a pick, and obviously the Bears finished where they finished. There was nothing about what you saw with Chase Claypool that would allow you to think that he is going to blossom into being worth what the Bears gave up. I also think that this is another one of those where you need to look around and read the room, and if you're looking for the sucker, the sucker might be you. The success that the Steelers have had under Mike Tomlin and the way that Mike Tomlin deals with and how players relate to him, what you hear players say about Mike Tomlin over and over and over again, if Chase Claypool was a player that couldn't be gotten through to from Mike Tomlin, I am concerned that the Bears don't have the requisite coaching power to get through to him. And it should have been concerning to Poles that he was available because the Steelers were in the exact same position that the Bears were where hey, we got a young quarterback. We don't know if he's good. We're going to throw him out there and see if he's good. What would you want young quarterbacks to have? You want them to have a run game and receivers that they trust. Well, they clearly trust one of their receivers, and they, they were trading the other one. Those are red flag stuff for me. Then you start looking at the draft and you go, was Braxton Jones out there playing because he's good or was Braxton Jones playing because he was a fifth-round pick? He was specifically Poles' fifth-round pick. Did the coaches save the franchise from the GM when it came to Tevin Jenkins? Where the coaches figured out, hey, you know what? I don't know if he fits as a tackle, but 
we might be able to do something with him at guard. Once he gets healthy, why don't we try him there? And so instead of pushing him off and throwing him away, the coaching staff finds value, and then they're able to make a player who I I wouldn't, in my exit interview with Tevin, I wouldn't tell him that he's a starting right right guard next year, but I tell him that he has an opportunity. He'll be given an opportunity. So you look at that and you look at some of the other acquisitions and I get it, like you're not necessarily building a winner. Um, And I think that there are a lot of question marks about Ryan Poles' player acquisition profile. The guys that he got in the draft, the top of the draft, I think are two good players. Uh, You know I'm a big fan of Jaquan Brisker and, and Kwani B. Had himself a nice season for a rookie. I don't know if he's completely on the Bob Sanders plan like I put him on, but I know that he belongs. I know that he's an NFL player. I wasn't as sold on Kyler Gordon, but I I came around, and so did he. Like As the season went on, I felt like Kyler Gordon got a lot better, and I was happy to see that. And then there's the curious case of Valus Jones. What did you see that said third round, first offensive player of your drafting history? Because I see a guy that could be a core special teamer for you, and that is valuable. Valuable. Having a guy that can be a returner, having someone that maybe you can have as a gunner, that is valuable. I have not seen enough value with ample opportunity on the offensive side. And that's what you're looking at when you're saying our first offensive pick is this dude. Drafted an old guy. And you might have you gotten fooled on tape because the old guy was beating young guys. So to me, there's still a lot that Ryan Poles has to do. But he's got a lot of opportunity with whatever this pick is going to turn into and with the amount of money that the Bears are going to have underneath the salary cap. And I don't expect them to be on Julius Pepper's doorstep like Lovey's. Well, maybe they will be. Maybe I mean, they could afford that. I don't know if they'll spend all of the money that they have available, nor should they necessarily, unless there are players that they, they got to have. But there's a lot of work to be done. Like, if we just went position by position, what's the offensive position where you think the Bears are all right? Running back? The position that at this point is the least valuable? I think they're all right there. I I actually think they're better than all right. I think they're solid there. Even if they were to move on from David Montgomery, I think Khalil Herbert puts them in a position where they're, they're solid there. Um, and then there's a lot of interesting running backs that you could look at in the fourth or fifth round, third, fourth, or fifth round this year that I think have value and could come in and play immediately. Cole Komet got better. I would like another tight end that I'd like a U tight end. Um, I, I think there's definitely room for Cole Komet, and I thought they did some really cool things with him offensively, but... 
he strikes me as being a really solid NFL tight end. And maybe nothing spectacular. And that's okay. Like, that's, he can be productive. And they're figuring out ways for him to get productive. The entire receiving core needs to be upgraded. I mean, they'll get Darnell Mooney back and that'll help. But the entire receiving core needs to be upgraded. The entire offensive line needs to be upgraded. The entire defensive line needs to be upgraded. The entire linebacking core needs to be upgraded. If you said to me that our guy Jack is the fourth linebacker on this Bears team, I would be ecstatic, and I thought that he balled out this year. I thought that he played hard. I think that he, as a as a non-drafted free agent, I feel like he proved that he is here. He is an NFL player, and that distinction is significant, y'all. From undrafted to being on a roster and, like, having your spot secure on a roster, that's a big-ass deal. So shout-out to Jack Sanborn because I, I thought that he he hustled hard, played real hard, and, and earned his opportunity. All right, next up, let's talk about Justin Fields. We'll do that next. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Okay, now we're at the Justin Fields portion of the podcast. Where we get to talk about how his season ended if you know me you know that I've been saying since last summer then what I wanted was the development arc of Jalen Hurts for Justin Fields in year two I actually think that we were pretty close to that and it wasn't crazy when we saw it like I I felt in a lot of ways vindicated by some of the things that were done this season with Justin Fields because it it made a lot of sense to me that you would comp him to Jalen Hurts, and I actually think that he's got a higher ceiling, but we can talk about that later on. Fields finished the season. In the passing game, we know that it was a struggle. 159, well, 170 completions, 159 completions and 270 attempts. He completed 59% of his passes. Wait, I'm sorry. I got that wrong. Here we go. 190. I'm looking at last season. 192 completions, 318 attempts. Completed 60% of his passes, 2,242 yards, 17 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. I think Hertz was 18 and 10 the year previous to that. Then you start looking at the rushing numbers, and they're ridiculous. 1,143 rushing yards, (laughs) eight touchdowns. He averaged seven yards in attempt. He converted, oh, my God, 
He converted 65 first downs with his legs. Let me just real quick con- compare and contrast that. That is, he converted 91 first downs passing the ball and 65 rushing. That's wild. He said that he didn't want to have seasons where he's out here running for 1,000 yards. I completely understand where he's coming from. I think that he understands you do what you got to do, but also there is a price that is you have to pay. But what we saw from him was spectacular. Like We saw multiple 60-yard touchdown runs from Justin Fields, multiple games where he had over 100 yards rushing. We And beyond that, we saw him do stuff that I didn't – when you start thinking about Michael Vick's career as a quarterback and some of the things that he would do and as a Falcon more so than, you know, as an Eagle. But you see Michael Vick, once he got into the open field, you're like, well, that's the end of that. No one's catching him. I don't care what angle you got. Justin Fields had a couple runs like that this year where you go, oh, boy, they're not going to get him. And it doesn't matter what angle that you come from. I really enjoyed hearing other players around the league talk about him. Um, I have a lot of respect for, I strangely have a lot of respect for Darius Slay. But, you know, we watched him a lot on bad Lions teams. And he was always like the best player on the field for them. So seeing him get some success in Philadelphia is fun. And the way that he talked about Justin Fields, I was like, yeah, that's game recognized game. Vaughn Miller talking about his ability to be one of the best players he's ever seen. One of the best quarterbacks ever, he said. That's clutch. Like other players going, that guy has some stuff. And he's got a chance to be really special. Fields came into the pro game as more of an accomplished passer than he was a scrambler. That's part of the reason that what you're seeing is also kind of amazing because we weren't expecting this from Justin Fields. We were expecting um, we, we were expecting a player that was maybe a little bit more reluctant to run and would end up then only using his his wheels when he really, really had to. And I, I think that there was a combination of that that went on in the 2022 season that it was some of it was just survival instinct. And you marry that with incredible athleticism and drive and guile. The young man is tough, man. He's tough and he's got guts. And I like that. And the cool part about this season from the perspective of, of, of an observer, a team that's this bad is never interesting. And yet they were interesting every week after the Washington game because of Justin Fields. Because, like, that's the only reason that you were tuning in. It was because of that dude. Um, to, to give you some of the metrics, like, 
we always expect to do well as a radio station in Bears season, but not in seasons when the team is this bad. And for Dan and I specifically to have some of the success, uh, the most listened to sports show in Chicago, it wasn't close, y'all. In a season where the Bears are really bad, says that we did a good job of programming and that you were interested. You know, up and down the score day, like you were interested in learning more. Like you couldn't get enough. And I even know this from Sun-Times. Like what the metrics say about my stuff in the Sun-Times. That when you write a Justin Fields story, People are interested. But the interest wouldn't be there if you didn't believe. Like, that's the, that's the part that I think people keep forgetting. The interest wouldn't be there if you didn't believe. If something didn't click in you and you were like, oh, shit. Like, that dude is awesome. And you got to see it. Like, that's what made it so cool. Is and, and that's why I think people have kind of reflexively gotten mad about people coming after fields or people coming after people who are enjoying what they're seeing. My whole thing is, is trust me, with me and Dan... There's going to be plenty of opportunity for us to let our feelings be known about things that we might think are negative about whatever team or sport that we're covering. The joy in Dan's demeanor, even after games of the Bears lost because we saw something that we never saw before. We saw the Bears have the dude or a dude, or however you want to characterize it. We saw the Bears have one of those, and that shit is exciting. That's what, that's all, it's all you've ever asked for as a Bears fan, is to be like, all right, yeah, we got one of those. We have the souped-up Ferrari. Years and years and years, we've been watching all these muscle cars, and, and we've been out here doing our best, trying to put Fast and Furious engines in them. But isn't it nice when you just get a souped-up Ferrari from the factory? And now it's up to Luke Getze and Matt Eberflus to figure out how to drive the damn thing. I really like Justin Fields' vibe, too. Um, I, I admit... As an educator, I kind of think a lot about how would I interact with this student. And I feel like I would enjoy Justin as a student. He seems like, from my experience, the type of student that is a little reluctant until you prove that you know what you're talking about. And then, like the type of student that drops a gem on you when you're talking to them about a specific lesson and they're like, oh, yeah, that's kind of like da-da-da-da-da. And you go, huh, I never thought about it like that. And then you go do your research and you have a way to connect with that student. 
I, I hope that that's what he's like because that's what he seems like. He'd be the type of student that I'd want in my class. Those are fun students. And I hope that what he does is he takes this time off. And because, you know, everyone's kind of in grind mode, like, oh, you've got to grind, rise and grind, and all that good stuff. It takes a long time. I'm 47, and I'm still learning how to actually take the time off. So my hope is that Justin is better balanced at 23 or whatever he is that I am at 47, and takes the time off. Like take a, take a couple, take three weeks, man. Take three weeks to just let your body heal, because football is the worst. And then when you've healed up, there are things that you need to take into account. I want Justin to put together like things that would be on my list for him. I want you to start thinking about a better plan to stay hydrated. We got to figure out whether that means more vegetable stock, whether we're doing more Gatorade, whatever it is the night before, whether we're doing IVs before you take the field, you're too valuable to this franchise to, for you not to be there. That's a, a big one for me because that's something that's in his control. Like that, he can do that. Um, I, I wonder what type of changes that will, he'll make to his body. Lamar Jackson got bigger up top because he knew he was taking more hits. It didn't really help him stay on the field necessarily, but I'm curious what Justin's approach is going to be. And then footwork. Uh, Tim Jenkins has been so great as a guest this season because he's offered us some insight. I think that he has been really good at balancing between excitement over things that Justin does well and pointing out things that he doesn't. Justin needs a consistent throwing platform, and I get it. The pockets are not always going to be clean, and you're not always going to be able to – it's not always going to look textbook. But in the times when it can look textbook, it should look textbook. So I want to see that be a thing. The other part is a lot of this is out of his control. And that's what's around him. He clearly's got that leadership thing down. Uh, So, you know, you'll be hearing about, oh, a bunch of bears went down to Georgia and they threw with Justin Fields. Like, you'll hear that throughout the winter. But everything, he'll evolve. I have faith in that. Everything around him needs to be better. And I think that once you see everything around him get better, you're going to see him take off. He's going to be an interesting... I, uh, the betting line for league MVP next year and him is going to be a very interesting one. Because obviously, like, the Jalen Hurts thing, like if you would have picked Jalen Hurts for league MVP and league one, you probably could have cashed out by now, made a lot of money off of your bet without him actually winning the MVP. And he still might, but 
you could have already hedged that and won big dollars off of your bet. Um, or sold your ticket or that sort of thing. So that's where I'm at, man. Like, I, I think that this has been a really interesting year and a year for a, a bad team. I did say that I would talk about what happens with House of L. I, I figure I'll do some more stuff. Maybe once a week, maybe more. Um, the balance of the pod, I think, right now is really good. And obviously, like, what the sports-adjacent guys are doing to hold up their end of the bargain is great. I want to do some exploring. I'm going to let a couple people take the podcast for a test drive because I really like producing talent. So I've got a couple ideas um, one of them is is still kind of in the infancy discussion phase, but I do think that once I get this person to agree to at least do a test episode, you will be happy with what the the end results are of that. I I think I'll get back into interviewing people a little bit more frequently. It was just like. Th- scheduling and everything. I don't think it'll be every week, but I I think that there'll be room for it um when when need be. There's some people that I've been thinking about like who I kind of wanted to talk to about their career path and whatnot. Might not be a terrible time to get Sierra, Sierra Santos back onto the show considering what's going on with her. Man, I'm so happy for her. Seeing seeing her shine on MLB Network and seeing her shine on NHL Network. Who would have guessed it, right? Girl from the desert. Out here talking pucks. So there, there'll be people like that that'll end up back on the show. There'll be new people or people that I haven't interviewed that I want to talk to. And it'll be a refuge for random thoughts. You know, like I'm... I'm in a band now on the radio. <laughs> Me, Dan, Layla, Ray, Mike are in a band. But I I do enjoy my acoustic, my solo acoustic shows. So I'm gonna I'm gonna try to do more <laughs> solo acoustic shows. Cause there I will say that there's a couple of topics and, and maybe I'll hit up my man Yusef Khan. Like some of this stuff inside of HBCUs and, and Deion Sanders and his move to Colorado like fascinate me. And the way that we talk about that, and the ramifications of it, the fact that we haven't talked about the Coppin State story. If you haven't read the Coppin State basketball story, um, it is gruesome. And it, it deserves way more conversation than it's getting. It is a very, very dark and ugly side of sports, but just, well, you're like, what the hell is Lawrence talking about? Just look up Coppin State basketball. It, there is a horrifying story that happened there that is, is worth much more discussion than it has already been given. But that's kind of what I'm going to do. That's what we're going to do. I'm going to, con- at least as... As it was told to me, I'm going to continue to write for the Sun-Times outside of football season. And that was what initially they were like, oh, let's start in football season. They are like, hey, you can actually kind of write. And I'm like, yep. So <laughs> I'm going to keep doing that. I've loved doing that. 
I've loved the platform of it. And Chris DeLuca has been really good about helping me put my words on paper and, and not and it not sounding crazy. So there's going to be a ton that I'm going to do. I've already taken up enough of your time. Lord knows this season has already taken up enough of your time. But you deserve some love. Bears fans, I I am impressed with your evolution. Yes, there are outliers and there's the the 1% of the 1% of they need to be winning and I'm going to games and I pay their there's still that element. But most people were like, oh, they're going to suck this year and hopefully end up in a great position to draft somebody and then maybe things will get better. Yes, that is the proper approach to this season. If you and I are sitting here next year and the Bears are at the top of the draft, something went horribly wrong and we may need to have some conversations about things. But they should be better next year on talent alone. And we'll see. We'll see what Ryan Poles can do. Thanks for listening. If anything crazy comes up during the playoffs or if there's big news or something like that, obviously we will talk about it on House of Vell. If you haven't checked out the latest sports adjacent with Herb Howard on it, it's so damn good. It's the episode before this one, so I think that you'll really, really enjoy it. Thanks for your support. As always, this podcast flourishes because you've been down with it since day one. Can you believe it? Once we get into, what, July, we'll be in our fifth year. We'll be celebrating our fifth year as a podcast. And, y'all, the podcast actually kind of makes money. So that's good. Thanks for the support once again. I'll talk to you down the road. Hey!